Hello, and welcome into the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU pod. Thank you all for joining me. In this episode, we'll be previewing the upcoming weekend for the LSU baseball team as they travel to Nashville to take on the Vanderbilt Commodores. We will also discuss the three keys to the weekend for LSU, who makes the get right, stay right list, and finally, my series prediction. Thank you all for tuning in. If you are listening in on audio for the first time, the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU pod is available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other audio platforms. If you are viewing this on the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU pod YouTube channel, please make sure to hit that subscribe button, hit the like, comment, and hit that notifications bell as well. On Twitter, the account is at 60FT6INLSUPod. Make sure to follow the Twitter account, set your notifications, and interact with me as well. Thanks to everyone, as always, for the likes, retweets, comments, and interactions during the games. It is always greatly appreciated. So let's get into it. LSU versus Vanderbilt, an enormous series for both teams. This will be a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. So Thursday night, Friday night, and then a Saturday series. LSU comes in at 34 and 18 on the year. They are 14 and 13 in SEC play. They crushed Northwestern State on Tuesday, 19 to 7. And they currently sit in fourth place in the SEC West. Vanderbilt comes in with a record of 34 and 16 on the year. They are also 14 and 13 in SEC play. They are tied for second in the SEC at excuse me, the SEC East with Georgia. And they finished beating Middle Tennessee State on Tuesday night as well, 7-2. to two. As we all know, LSU's coming off a rough weekend series after getting swept by Ole Miss at home. On the other hand, Vanderbilt went up to Arkansas and took two out of three versus the Hogs in Fayetteville, so a very impressive road win for Vandy coming into this weekend. A little bit of interesting information for y'all. LSU's RPI currently stands at 34 with a strength of schedule of 22. Vanderbilt's RPI currently sits at number three in the country, and they have the number one strength of schedule as well. So a huge opportunity and a huge chance for LSU this weekend to make up some ground if they were able to go up to Nashville and take care of business. LSU has fallen out of most of the college baseball rankings, except for a few polls. You know, there's like 10 of them. Perfect game, and USA Today still has LSU ranked, while Vanderbilt has climbed back into a couple of College baseball polls anywhere from that 19 to 21 range. And as a reminder, everybody in the SEC plays Thursday, Friday, Saturday this weekend with the SEC tournament beginning on Tuesday. And on Tuesday, you see the 5 through 12 seeds. They play a single elimination game. And at this point, I do believe LSU, unfortunately, will be playing uh, on Tuesday. But then after Tuesday, the format changes. So Wednesday through Saturday or Sunday, whenever the championship game is, it is a double elimination format. Some series notes between LSU and Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt has won eight of the last nine series versus LSU, including a sweep last season. LSU won 10 of the 12 series from 94 to 2005, with the last LSU sweep coming in 1997. LSU's last series win in Nashville came 17 years ago. Wow. In 2005. LSU has won three of their last four SEC series and they finished playing on the road for the fourth time in the last five seasons. Seems a little bit odd to me. We've got to get that change there. While Vanderbilt has played three of their last four series on the road, they've won four of their last five SEC series, and they are finishing at home for the fifth time in the last six seasons. SEC bias right there, right? All right, some team stat comparisons. Now remember, just as a reminder, in these team stats, I'm focusing on SEC games only. 
at this point in the year, I think that's the most important thing. So those are the teams you will be facing, obviously, in the SEC tournament and regional or super regional play. So not worried about stats against Southeastern, Nichols, and Northwestern. So SEC games only. Here we go. Hitting. LSU is 7th in hitting at 260, while Vanderbilt comes in at 6th with a 268 average. LSU is 2nd in conference play. They have blasted 52 home runs this year, while Vanderbilt sits at 9th with 35 home runs. So quite a discrepancy there. Vanderbilt is 2nd in the conference with 48 doubles, and they do lead the league in sack bunts, which could come into play this weekend. Vanderbilt is also 2nd in SEC games in terms of stolen bases and stolen base attempts. And they've only been caught stealing twice this year in SEC play. So the only team they trail is uh, Kentucky. So really, if you think about it, the only teams that run in this conference are Kentucky and Vanderbilt. Everybody else pretty much plays station to station and uh, long balls and doubles and whatnot. LSU and Vanderbilt are top sixth when it comes, uh, are both in the top six when it comes to SEC games and hitting with regards to slugging percentage, on base percentage, runs, hits, and RBIs. So very evenly matched. All they... They may go about it a little bit differently in terms of LSU's reliance on the home run. When it comes to pitching in SEC games only now, LSU comes in with a team ERA of 4.48, which is still good for third in conference play. And Vanderbilt's right behind LSU with a team ERA of 4.50 in SEC games, so good for fourth. LSU, their pitchers have a 261 batting average against, which is good for fifth. And Vandy has a team batting average against of 224, which is good for second. Pretty impressive. The Vanderbilt pitching staff has given up the second fewest hits in SEC games, while LSU is fifth in that category. So both these teams, when you look at stats within SEC games only now, uh, they're very evenly matched on the mound, but they do go about it a little bit differently. They achieve their success very differently, and uh, they rely on different people to get the job done, but they still get good results on the bump. In terms of defense, very quickly, Vanderbilt, ugh, they lead the SEC in fielding percentage at 982 in conference play, while LSU brings up the rear. So we know they're last in terms of fielding percentage in conference play. LSU also leads the conference in pass balls in SEC games, which could be a huge factor this weekend. They have given up eight pass balls during conference games. All right. <clears throat> Gold-plated money stat time. I know y'all been looking forward to this. Here we go. LSU is second in conference games with a 281 batting average versus right-handed pitchers. That's really impressive. On the flip side, they are second to last in hitting versus left-handed pitchers with a 221 batting average. You've heard me hop on that before, and we will touch on that very soon. LSU is last in the conference in hitting with the bases loaded for whatever that's worth. They're hitting 100. Now, last week, LSU and Ole Miss were last, but LSU, uh, excuse me, Ole Miss had two bases loaded out. They had two bases loaded RBIs against Mikhail Hilliard. So, um, excuse me, four RBIs with the bases loaded. I'm all over the place. So maybe LSU can uh, find a little bit of that Ole Miss magic with bases loaded this weekend. More gold-plated money stats. Vanderbilt is second in SEC games. They hit 281 with two outs. So they find ways to extend innings. Vanderbilt is also second in conference games with 70 two-out RBIs, while LSU is fourth. So they're still doing a good job with two-out RBIs, even though they had zero this past weekend, I believe. So Vandy with two outs, 
They find ways to extend innings, and they drive in runs, something LSU pitchers need to be leery of. More gold plate and money stats. The Vanderbilt pitchers are dominant versus left-handed hitters. They are second best in the conference with a 190 batting average against versus left-handed hitters. And they are only giving up 7.55 hits per game in SEC play, which is also second best. So, one, they don't give up a lot of hits in conference games. And two, Vanderbilt's pitching dominates left-handed hitters. And lastly, this was too good to pass up. The last gold-plated money stat, Enrique Bradfield Jr. is 40 for 40 on stolen bases this year. Which leads us straight into individual Vanderbilt hitters. We're going to start off by talking about that man we just talked about. Enrique Bradfield Jr., center fielder, hits leadoff, left-handed hitter. He was named SEC Player of the Week this past week for his dominant performance against Arkansas. He absolutely went off. I watched some highlights of Vandy in Arkansas and the Enrique Bradfield Jr. show. He was everywhere. So this past weekend against Arkansas, he went 8 for 13 with 6 stolen bases and a home run. While it wasn't a walk-off, the home run did provide the uh, winning RBIs. If you count Tuesday night's game against Middle Tennessee State, in the last four games, he is 12 for 18 with 7 stolen bases. Oh, and by the way, he stole home a couple weeks ago versus a left-handed pitcher. In SEC play, Bradfield Jr. is hitting 342 with six home runs, so he does have some pop. And he is 21 for 21 on stolen bases. So yes, 40 for 40 on the year, and in conference play, 21 for 21. A huge challenge for LSU's catchers this weekend. Another hitter to be on the lookout for is Spencer Jones, so he plays right field. He's huge, big left-handed guy. He's about 6'7". He hits 327 in conference play with six home runs, and he is also 4 for 5 on stolen bases. And he stole third on Tuesday night. So both these guys trying to one-up each other. Excuse me, not stole third. I truly apologize. He stole home. So Bradfield Jr. and Spencer Jones have both stolen home this year. That's crazy. Another hitter to watch out for, he's going to hit in the four-hole, is Dominic Keegan. He is their first baseman. He leads the team in batting average in conference play. He hits three fifty-two. He has six home runs, and he leads the team in RBIs in SEC play with 27. So he was in a lot of those uh, top-hitting categories uh, with Cruz and Perry. And one more guy to highlight is Jake Bolger. He's their catcher. He's hitting 273 in SEC games, and he has two home runs on the year. So real quick, we went over those Vanderbilt hitters, but just to compare those guys to some LSU hitters, in case you were wondering, Barry still leads the SEC in hitting, and he is hitting 395 in conference play. But guys like Keegan from Vanderbilt, the first baseman, uh, Bradfield Jr., and Cruz are in the top 15 and batting average. On base percentage, Barry, Cruz, Spencer Jones, and Keegan are also in the top 15. Enrique Bradfield Jr. is third in runs scored. He's also third in hits, with Cruz being in the top 10 in both of those categories as well. Cruz is third in SEC play in home runs at 12 and sixth in RBIs, while Keegan from Vanderbilt is eighth in RBIs. So as you can see, their top hitters are um, for both teams really do a great job swinging the bat, and they're in a lot of the top 10 to 15 in a lot of SEC hitting categories. Moving on to the pitchers. Now, with LSU, while we all know the bullpen is the strength of the team, with Vanderbilt, they have a pretty good bullpen. They have a good closer. But to me, it's really their starting pitcher that their starting pitchers that um, set the tone for them and really dominate their outings. I believe on Thursday, they'll be starting freshman left-handed pitcher Devin Futrell. So, he is 8-1 and one on the year. 
He has a 2.52 ERA in all games. And by the stats, it looks like he's only started one SEC game this year, which I believe was last weekend against Arkansas. But on the year, he has 53 and two-thirds innings pitched, 38 hits. That's really impressive. Eight walks and 59 Ks. So he has good stuff. And his batting average against is 196. He throws pretty hard as well when I watch some highlights. So kind of in that um, body type, like a Trey Schaefer, I guess, probably 6'2", 6'3", kind of a lean guy. Um, Kind of a uh, contrast to the guy they're going to be starting on Saturday. On Friday, Vanderbilt will throw junior right-handed pitcher Chris McIlvain. He is 3-4 and four in SEC play with nine games started. He has thrown 49 and a third innings pitched, 30 hits. That is disgusting, guys. I mean, when you look at innings pitched to hits, and he is, there's such a differential, that is really impressive. 31 walks, so he does have the ability to walk some people, 52 Ks, and only a 172 batting average against, so that makes sense when you line up innings pitched to hits. But here's the guy you got to watch out for. <clears throat> Saturday, they will be throwing another freshman, another left-handed pitcher, Carter Holton. And he's coming off a dominant performance versus Arkansas in which he was named SEC Pitcher of the Week. So Vanderbilt had the player in the week with Enrique Bradfield Jr. And then they had the pitcher of the week with Carter Holton. So against Arkansas, all he did was go seven innings pitch, two hits, no runs. On the year in conference play, Holton is 4-3 and three with a 3.77 ERA, 45 and a third innings pitched, 40 hits, 22 walks, and 51 Ks. So he has very good stuff. And he's kind of, he's, he's, he's built like a little fire hydrant. You know, he's about 5'10", pretty compact looking guy, but I tell you what, he throws absolute gas. In the, Har- in the, excuse me, in the highlights I saw versus Arkansas, he was 93 to 96. I even saw him bump 97 from the left with two other pitches as well. So a very impressive freshman, which is not good for the rest of the SEC for the next couple of years. Here's another important point for Holton. If you look overall, so if you take all of his games in the SEC, he is tied for fourth in wins. He is tied for second in strikeouts as a freshman. Talk about spot Steve. And he is fourth in batting averaged against. That's for the whole year. And then if you think about it too, McIlvain, the righty they're going to throw on Friday night, his batting average against is even lower than Holton's. So you really see some dominant starters for this Vanderbilt team, and they have the stats to back it up. To me, the most impressive thing, they, all, they, they have strike, swing and miss stuff. So they're going to strike out some guys. But if you look just at the lack of hits that they give up, that is really impressive. And we, always, we already know, and I've harped on this for a while now, I'm sure y'all are going to roll your eyes. We already know that LSU has trouble stringing hits together. That's kind of the bugaboo. Bear traps and old people, right? So their bullpen, three main guys. So they do have a dude at the end. They have a closer, Thomas Schultz, right-handed pitcher. He has four saves in SEC play, seven saves overall, 1.02 ERA. Really impressive. 17 and two-thirds innings pitched. Nine hits, five walks, 17 Ks in conference games. And he looks like he will go more than one inning. Some other guys to watch out for in the pen. You have right-handed pitchers Christian Little, Nick Maldonado, and Patrick Riley. And another lefty in the pen they'd like to bring up, bring out is uh, Nelson Berkwich. So that's it for the pitchers. A lot of stats this weekend. But it is, to me, this series is very interesting. You have some contrasting styles. And this series is huge for both teams. And we'll get into that. 
but I'm ha- I had fun like digging into Vanderbilt and really uh, kind of g- trying to figure them out and figure out how LSU will attack them and what they're up against. So, all right, guys, get right, stay right. Here we go. Your boy got obliterated last weekend. It was a bad weekend for Demui on the get right, stay right list. Hopefully, trying to turn things around this weekend. First, get right, and yes, I went back to the well. I'm going back to Mikhail Hilliard. I believe he is absolutely vital to this team's success this weekend and moving forward, especially at this time of year. As I've stated in a couple of different pods now, I believe he has lost confidence or Jason Kelly, the pitching coach, has lost confidence in Hilliard's fastball, and he needs to get that pitch back. He cannot solely rely on and fall in love with his breaking ball. And I think for him to get back on track and kind of rediscover that mojo he had four weeks ago, he has to be able to throw his fastball for a strike. It doesn't have to be 50% of the time. He just has to show it for a strike and show it on the outside corner to righties and on the outside corner to lefties. And then he can come in with that big hook. But he definitely needs to get right and get back on track for LSU to have success. So in Hilliard's last three starts, he has gone 13 innings pitched, 20 hits, so quite a contrast compared to those Vandy starters we just talked about, 11 earned runs, excuse me, 11 runs, 10 earned, 5 walks, 15 Ks. Mikhail Hilliard, LSU needs you to get right this weekend. Another thing that needs to get right this weekend is the defense. (laughs) I know, I get it. You're probably saying, get out of here. Like, I get it. We all know the defense is not great. They're last in the SEC in fielding percentage for a reason. But Vanderbilt presents such a unique challenge, one that I don't think LSU has seen all year. They're very different than a lot of those other SEC teams like Georgia or Alabama, Auburn, A&M, to where those guys just swing and swing and swing, the ability to run the ball at the park. You know, and they're not really going to challenge you on the bases. So they're very different than what LSU is and the teams they faced previously. Look, they, they're going to look to run. They are going to look to string hits together. They're going to look to cause havoc on the base pass and put a lot of pressure on this defense. Therefore, if the defense is similar to last weekend in other SEC series where they've had errors come at inopportune times or They have failed to turn a double play on a tailor-made double play ball. They will be playing on turf this weekend. Maybe that helps. Or catchers have trouble with balls in the dirt or pass balls once again. This is going to turn out to be a very long weekend for the LSU team. Vanderbilt puts a lot of pressure on these catchers. And somehow LSU's defense has to find a way to slow down the running game. And when presented with a chance to turn a double play, or field a slow roller, or the pitcher has to get off the mound and field a sack bunt, or the pitcher has to get off the mound and field a ground ball, LSU has to make those plays. They cannot extend innings and allow Vanderbilt to succeed with two-out hits and two-out RBIs. Complete recipe for disaster. So get right, Hilliard and the LSU defense. Who made the stay-right list? Dylan Cruz. And I don't think I've chosen Cruz all year, not that I can remember. But I think this may be his biggest weekend of the year, and LSU needs it to be his biggest weekend of the year. They need his best performance. Look, he's top 10 to 15 in almost every batting category in SEC games, and he's been absolutely amazing this year. And, and you know, 
when I think of a comp for him, the only person I can really think of in terms of Major League Baseball is Mike Trout, like a baby Mike Trout. If you think about the combination of speed, power, the ability to hit for average, and the ability to play center field, go gap to gap, come in and make some of those diving catches, to me, I, th- I think that's the best comp for Dylan Cruz. And this weekend, I think he's going to have to have a huge weekend. I'm talking like an 8-for-13 type of weekend with two home runs and six RBIs. He needs a SEC player of the week type of weekend because I still think the status of Jacob Berry is up in the air. I know he got in at bat against Northwestern State the other night, and I know LSU will be facing two left-handed starters, so maybe Berry can hit from the right side, but I haven't heard. I don't, I don't know how bad his finger is, and I don't know what the role is for him moving forward when it pertains to this weekend. So that's why I have Cruz on the stay right list, and he really needs to step up. I mean, he's been stepping up, but even more so. The last guy I have on the stay right list is Trey Morgan. I think we've seen more consistency out of Morgan lately. I think he still has a, a little bit of a hole in his swing. I think he has trouble pulling fastballs. And I think he's going to be tested by two very good left-handed pitchers in Futrell and Holton. But I think that may fit his hitting style as well. When you think about lefties, they're going to go away from him and the breaking ball is going to sweep away, so that may feed into his swing with the ability for him to really hit the ball to left field into the left center gap very well. In his last eight games, Trey Morgan is 13 for 35. That's a hitting at a 371 clip. And you see him pull home runs lately, but it's been on elevated changeups or hanging breaking balls. So he does have the ability to pull the ball out of the park with those pitches. It's just with the fastball, he has trouble really pulling his hands through. And maybe that's out of design. I don't know. But I think he's going to have to have a really good weekend as well to back up Cruz. And he's, as always, you expect him to play great defense at first base. And even more so with LSU playing on the turf this weekend. So I think you'll see um, Morgan make some really outstanding picks as well. All right. So just to remind y'all, get right. Hilliard in the defense, including the catchers. And stay right. Cruz and Morgan. So hopefully I have a better weekend than I did against Ole Miss. All right. What are the three keys to the weekend? Starting to wrap this puppy up here. One, the biggest key to me, I think. You have to find a way to keep Enrique Bradfield Jr. off the bases. Look, as I mentioned earlier, he was SEC Player of the Week, and he caused Arkansas all types of problems. I also mentioned he stole home about two weeks ago. And not only is he a threat once he gets on base, he has the power to drive the ball at the park, out of the park and the ability to drive in runs from that leadoff spot. So to me, it is paramount to keep him off the bases. And think about it. A player like this, he puts so much pressure on the pitcher in terms of how many times are you going to pick to first base how many times in a row it is you know do you try to speed up your motion when you go home and you're not used to that on a regular basis when you pick two three times in a row you tend to forget about the batter and it's tough to execute pitches because because you may pick three times in a row throw a pitch and then you pick two more times in a row so it really throws you out of your routine it also puts pressure on the catcher to block everything and you got to think he may, I mean, if he's reading balls in the dirt, once he sees that ball bouncing with his elite speed, he's just going to take off as well. And think about this. If he's stealing and McManus fails to block a ball or a ball gets past him on a wild pitch and it gets to the backstop, he's just going to go ahead and take third as well. So 
Bradfield Jr. puts a ton of pressure on you. And I looked in his highlights, I saw him still third. He's still third. He stole third with a left-handed hitter up. So it doesn't matter to him. He'll take second and third. He'll take everything. He doesn't care who's up. If he gets a jump, he's gone. And another thing I'm worried about, think about a guy like Hasty. Left-handed, Bradfield Jr.'s on third. He can't see the runner behind him. And Hasty is crazy slow to the plate. Also, Razelman, he's got the foot tap thing. So I'm worried about Bradfield Jr. stealing home this weekend as well. But the best way to keep him off the bases and the best way to eliminate this is just get him out. He's the leadoff hitter. You're going to see him bottom of the first Thursday night. If you don't want him on base, you don't want him stealing bags, you don't want him in your head, just get him out, bottom line. The second key to the weekend, the bullpen has to return to their dominant form. Look, the pen has been up and down lately compared to their form four to six weeks ago. But for LSU to be successful this weekend, I think they have to dominate innings five through nine in all three games. And lately, it's even been the first inning, right? But I think Hilliard's going to get back into a little bit of form, and who knows who's going to start game two and game three. But I think Cooper, Hasty, Razelman, Gervais, Taylor, Fontenot, Collins, Vitmeyer, they've carried a huge load this year. But think about this. They're only looking at possibly three more weeks of baseball. This weekend, SEC tournament, and whatever regional they go to. So if you break that down even further, that's possibly four to six more times to pitch in an LSU uniform, depending on who you are. And some of these guys may only pitch three more times. So it's time for them collectively to step up and take the remaining games in the series, whether it be this weekend or the SEC tournament or the regional. They got to take that sucker by the scruff of the neck, take control, and become dominant again. That is my second key to the weekend, the bullpen returning to their dominant form. The third key to the weekend, LSU has to figure out a way to hit these two freshman left-handed pitchers on Thursday night and on Saturday in Futrell and Holton, respectively. This is a tall task, and I already mentioned earlier in the gold plate and money stats how LSU hitters struggle against left-handed pitching, but they have to figure out a way. you got to figure out a plan, an approach, how to attack these two dominant freshman left-handed pitchers for Vanderbilt. And the other thing, too, is LSU doesn't have a great track record of that this year because LSU has allowed two other freshman left-handed pitchers to become pitchers of the week after facing the Tigers. Hagen Smith from Arkansas, who threw the Saturday game. Hunter Elliott, who threw the Saturday game for Ole Miss this past weekend. Both those guys, after facing LSU in SEC play, they were pitchers of the week after that. So we got to stop that trend. And I know, look, Jay Johnson and his staff, they're going to have a plan in place. They're going to have watched a ton of film on these guys. And whether it's driving up pitch counts, trying to manufacture runs with small ball, such as sack bunting, we know they don't steal, they don't hit and run. And I also think they're going to have a heavy right-handed lineup with probably Cranford in at third base. I think you may see some combination of Travinsky and McManus catch DH, vice versa, with Travinsky hitting a grand slam and having some good, I think, a double off the wall against Northwestern State on Tuesday as well. But I'm not sure about left field what they're going to do because I I would assume Gavin Dugas is out. So you may see Stevenson in in left field. So that way you'd see Stevenson, Pearson, and Morgan as your only left-handed hitters. So I'm sure Jay Johnson, those guys will have a a plan in place, but LSU has got to figure out a way to hit these guys or get these guys out the game as soon as possible. 
Because once again, we do not know the status of Barry. Obviously, if he could go, then you have another right-handed bat in the lineup. All right. Coming to the end of the 60 feet, 6 inches LSU pod, what is my series prediction? And this was a tough one, and I do not like this matchup, but especially at this time of year. Look, LSU is coming off their worst series of the year, and Vanderbilt possibly their best series of the year. LSU is trying to get back into contention for a regional host spot, while Vanderbilt is trying to solidify their spot as a regional host. You've heard some people already pencil them in, but they're just trying to continue to make that case as they should be a regional host this year. The fact that LSU has to face two very good left-handed pitchers, albeit both freshmen, is worrisome for me. And then once again, the uncertainty around who's going to start game two and game three for LSU. That still concerns me, and I I can't even try to figure out or predict who Jay Johnson and Jason Kelly are going to roll out there for game two or game three. I'm just going to sit back just like y'all, and I'm going to be surprised with whoever runs out there and takes them out. But unless LSU can execute on my keys to the weekend, and unless the get-right-stay-right list absolutely hits and goes off, man, unfortunately, I think Vanderbilt will take two out of three from LSU this weekend. That's my serious prediction, and it pains me to say that. Look, I hate to say that. I want to put on my purple and gold sunglasses. I truly do. But I just do not like this matchup right now. Maybe three weeks ago, LSU could go up there since they play really well on the road, and I'd say they could take two out of three. But just the way things, and I don't think it's recency bias. You know, and I'm, I'm trying to I do this with my head instead of my heart. I really think it's going to be some really tough matchups in a team unlike LSU has faced all year. But LSU cannot go up there and totally bottle this series. They cannot afford to go up there and get swept. That would be huge flashing red lights in worst case scenario. Look, Vanderbilt is a bottom five fan base in all sports. And especially with the god dang Whistler. Or is it two Whistlers? I don't even know. Those dudes are so annoying. And unfortunately, we as fans have to hear those guys come through the TV set all weekend. Plus, I hate to see LSU go up there and potentially lose to a team that gave themselves the nickname the freaking Vandy Boys. What is The Vandy Boys sounds like a bad 50s barbershop quartet. Brutal. I would love nothing more for LSU to go up to Nash Vegas for those guys to take two out of three, get back in the regional host discussion, get ready for the SEC tournament, win two to three games in the SEC tournament, and boom, you're right back in there as a regional host. And look, I hope I am totally wrong with this series prediction. I would love to come on the 60 feet, six inches LSU review pod and admit to y'all that I'm wrong. Trust me, I can do it. I don't have a problem doing that. It does not hurt my feelings. But to me, that's just a really tough call to make right now. So there you have it. The get right, stay right list, the three keys, the unfortunate series prediction I came up with. Sorry about that, guys. But that's going to do it. So look, I know this may have gone a little long, but to me, it's a huge series for both teams, obviously. And I had fun digging into this one. And I find it to be interesting in terms of the contrasting styles and some of the players that Vanderbilt has. So thank you all, your viewers, Ladies, lads, and listeners, I appreciate everybody. And that's going to do it for the LSU versus Vanderbilt series preview pod. Please make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, like, and comment on this video. I try to make sure to reply to all the comments as well. Make sure to check out this podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other audio platforms. And once again, be sure to follow and interact with me on Twitter. The account is at 60FT6INLSUPod. 
I can't wait to take in this series Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And thank you all for all the support, guys. I look forward to tweeting during the games. I look forward to that interaction. Y'all stay safe, and I will see you after the series on the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU Review Pod. All right, guys. I appreciate y'all. Stay safe.